Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble, I fumble like a Gregor Bryan combo. Standing on the ground, one feet firm. Coming bombs and drums, and I'm doing it on my turns. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so here we are, each and every week, helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting. I can be found on TikTok and Instagram at Claims Coach. And with me, as always, is Mr. Brent Hooper with Max Claims Solutions out of Baltimore, Maryland. We just call him the beast of the East and the surreptitiously serendipitous, the salubrously supportive, the one and only baby cakes, Miss Donna LaBelle. How's everybody doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm wondering... I missed you guys too last week. Aww. I am wondering when the hell you are going to run out of alliteration. Oh, never. <laughs> he hasn't used all the words yet. He tries. Well, he I mean, alliterations are going to abound forever. <laughs> I mean, that's that's never going to quit. Yeah. So, um, you know, if we have to get into what they all mean at some point in time, I think we might, uh, you know, run a contest when it's live. If somebody can tell me what it means inside of 30 seconds, I mean, saying it. So there's no Google time. Mm-hmm. You get, you got to, got to remove the Google. Time. There's lots of people that are, that are you know what I mean? Yeah. And they might be able to be That's there. true. That's true. We have got some lightning thumbs out there that yes. can Google things and make comments and try to, they'll do anything to win a prize. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What should we give them? Yeah. A hard time, I think. <laughs> that surprise. Yeah, yeah. Got on the back. Here's a tip. <laughs> Just, a, Just tip. a tip. See how it feels. Yeah, right. Here's a tip. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> Don't negotiate with tattoo artists. There's a good tip right yes. there. <laughs> Don't spit into the wind. Exactly. Yeah, right. Don't whiz on that electric fence. That's yep. a big one. Yep, there you go. There's 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 all of that that's available to you. So that was all free of charge. There was no contest, just everybody got it. So yeah, um, I was, would just like to yeah. Hey Greek. Yeah. That was a great show. Bye. Thanks everybody. The way, you're welcome. <laughs> so So there's that. So Donna, what's going on in the wide wide world of the world? Well, we have a death. We do <gasps> have a death. Yes. It's a very famous person. All of you have watched his show, whether you admit it or not. None of us would admit it. But you all have. Okay. Mr. Jerry Springer has passed on to the Jerry Springer has walked to the other side, huh? Oh, my gosh. Well, a brief moment of silence for Mr. Jerry Springer. All right. That's enough of that. I watched the show. (laughs) No. Just a little bit. Just a little. It's Jerry Springer. Well, he's used to people talking over him. That's true. You know, I mean, he, he's, he, I mean, he created the culture. It wasn't me. He created the culture. He, he absolutely did. That's on him. And for that, we thank him. Yeah. So, Brent, last week was, uh, the last show was kind of interesting because I had to do it without you. And I'm going to tell you, it is not near as much fun to do it. So I'm glad you're back for sure. Glad to. It makes a huge difference. Um, I have never heard myself talk for an hour to myself, essentially, because it was recorded. But, uh. Donna was bored. She was playing a. Uh, she was actually playing games on her phone while I was talking, and she was while she was while she was um, um, twisting and tweaking over there. Um, 
I did have to get her attention one time. It's like, let me talk to somebody yeah. because I feel like I'm just speaking to the He's ethos like, here. He says, blah, 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 baby cakes. So I, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, I have to get her attention. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. Well, guys, we have got a very exciting um, rumble for you today. I'm very excited to get into it. Um, I'm going to hold off the title probably until the end because I'm not really sure what this thing should be titled and to try to title it now would be hubris. And so I am going to move into the show. I do want to remind you that we are going to be coming to you in three rounds of action. When you hear this sound, that means the round has begun. And when you hear this sound, that means that the round is over. And, um, Remember that this is not a debate show. It is just merely a discussion show. We are talking about the things that are skinning our knees and elbows every day, and hopefully it helps you. If you hear anything cool or funny, it is not me or Brent. It is most certainly Baby Cakes over there twisting and tweaking. Um, I always want to say twerking, but that is not an image that I want anybody thinking of right now. That's insulting. Well, it's not that I wouldn't want them to. Hey, I look good when I twerk. Yeah, I'm not going to say that she look good when she Oh, my. But she's twisting and tweaking in this particular application. That is what we're going to be. That is the endorsement I am prepared to deliver at this point is on her prowess on making all of the really cool sounds. Well, you know, (laughs) again, coming to you at three rounds. We've got an exciting show and I can't wait to get into it because round one starts right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, cr- she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. um, And she also offers a lead generation service to SEO, search engine optimization, where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E, Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E. And she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round one, save the silver bullets for the werewolves. Brent, you and I have said, I cannot tell you how many times 
there are no silver bullets whatsoever. And this goes into a lot of things. No matter what we do, it doesn't matter what you put put in front of them. They're sometimes just going to say no, aren't they? Fact, 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 fact. Um, what was the the uh, analogy that I used whenever I used it? It's like um, as public adjusters were kind of like speed dating That's correct. supermodels. <laughs> and, and the idea is that we show up to every one of these encounters with the understanding that they are going to say no. At some point in time, yeah. <laughs> and there's... Yeah, there's there's no one liner. There's no, as we're calling it, silver bullets. There's no one liner that's going to get one of these chicks to go on a date with you. (laughs) Yeah. And these multi-billion dollar organizations. If they were actually, well, I would say the people that are saying no to us, the ones that we're actually hearing the audible word no from are not in our league by and large. And that's what's so frustrating (laughs) is that we're hearing no from somebody Uh, who has no authority to deliver the no. It's the girl's friend who's telling you no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Go ask her. Yeah, right. It's the gatekeeper. That's exactly right. And in sales, we talk about the gatekeeper all the time. But um, in, uh, in, 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 in adjusting and, and working claims, often the gatekeeper is your desk adjuster. And there was a time that the desk adjuster was a promoted position. Like you move from the field into the office. You didn't have to sweat anymore with all the slugs and the, and the bums and the, and the, and the grunts out there. You got to come in the office because you had a working understanding of not only the policy, but the claims process. It was a promoted position. And then somewhere along the way, and I still say that it all happened right around COVID. You know, maybe just a little bit before they were just putting anybody in there with a pulse that says, here you go, here's your guidelines, yep. stick to the guidelines and you'll be okay. And, and, and if they ever ask you a question you don't know the answer to, your answer is it's not covered. <laughs> yeah. And when they ask why it's not covered, the answer is fill in the blank, Jeremy. Well, because it, because well, it's, it's against our, because. that's not our guidelines. So let's talk about guidelines just for a <laughs> yeah. second. I want to unpack <laughs> guidelines. I, I want to look at it. And, and my response yes. most commonly is like, look, I appreciate that you have guidelines, but let's talk about what those guidelines are for. Those guidelines are not coverage guidelines, are they? The coverage guidelines is a document we call the policy. Your guidelines are estimating guidelines. That is what your guidelines, your guidelines are pinned into a cork board. That's correct. Yeah. Or they're handed to you in the Monday morning meeting. It's a mimeograph. Well, look at all the alliteration we're throwing around. Yeah. I have. Brent's too young to even know what mimeographs are. Yeah. I know what it is, but anyway, (laughs) back to guidelines. Uh, I don't know what it is. I it's the no, reason blueprints are blue. Word, that was actually the method when you, when you refer to a set of prints as blueprints, it was a mimeograph machine that made it. And Brent, I'm going to tell you, if you can see me, it was this old roller thing, like it had a handle on it. And so it would, you would roll it through and it would run through this ink and it would auto typeset it. But this was like before you would use a copier. And it was all blurry. Sometimes it was bluish purple. Yeah. Which, terrible. yeah, that, that's what a mimeograph looks like. I mean, it was the most 
ridiculous piece of technology that nearly every elementary school across the land prior to 1990 used that instead of a Xerox machine. I kid you not. That's how they did it. Yeah, lesson was brought to you okay. by Max Clean. Yeah, and I'm and and I'm that kind of old. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Donna. And I am that kind of old. It is ridiculous. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, what the hell were we talking about before we got? Oh off well, on what we were, um, but yeah, we were talking guidelines. about guidelines, and so guidelines. the the guidelines that they're often referring to are estimating guidelines. It's like as long as you estimate like this, the chances of you writing for too much money or something that's not covered is not going to happen. And so they're kind of a fence law. It has really nothing to do with coverage or what the policy is or it is not. It is if you stick to these guidelines, we're not going to be extending coverage in a place that we're not supposed to. And most importantly, we're not going to write for more than what is actually owed. That's the purpose of the guidelines. But no one tells them that. And so if I may, I'm going to sprinkle in a dose of practical, like, how-to shit. Um, They're never going to tell you that. They are never going to tell you that because they don't know that because no one told them that. Okay? I know that was a lot of things and that's, but the point is the party that you're speaking to doesn't realize they don't have the, the awareness or experience to understand really the circumstance that they're in, which is they're talking to someone that is trying to get something accomplished. That being say us, we're trying to get something accomplished and they quite literally are not able to help us. And they don't even know why they can't help us. They just know what they were trained to say. And so, Practically speaking, my advice would be is to ask questions instead of make statements. So when they tell you that, ask them why. And then when they tell you why in their brain, ask them why again. And sprinkle in a little bit of, you know, well, when they say, oh, well, we don't know for this or that because, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that. When did that start happening? And see, they're going to run out of answers really quick. And the second that their answers become circular... That's the indication that, well, they've run out of script. And as a public adjuster, that's exactly the point in time where I politely say, hey, I appreciate you. And I say this sincerely. I appreciate you. It seems to me that your hands are tied and perhaps someone else would be a better fit for this conversation in some form or fashion That is what I say. It's like, hey, you're not the person. And instead of, you know, us sitting here and paying, you know, playing, you know, who's who's got the best quips like I just talk to the next person who might if that's your supervisor. Great. If it's if it's a teammate. Great. But it seems to me that your hands are tied. And so I have questions that aren't getting answered, at least to my satisfaction. And um why don't we just save each other some strife? It's not personal. You've done a great job up to this point. And by and large, they have. They've done and everything. The other thing that I want to say, I mean, and I've said yeah, this in have. other shows, by and large, these people are good people. They're not just trying to be obtuse for the sake of being obtuse. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they go home at night, their, their, their husband or their wife fully expects them to have kept their job by the end of the day. And stepping outside and doing everything that Brent <laughs> wants them to do or Jeremy wants them to do or any of these public adjusters would really 
probably, you know, bring into jeopardy their employment status at some level. But I mean, look, I'm looking at I'm looking at coverage. I am sitting here. Um, I'm sitting here. I'm reading the policy. I have taken time to read the policy. There appears to be coverage for it. And you're telling me the only reason that you don't owe for it is because we only owe for direct physical loss. And that's not exactly true. I, that's my favorite. It's like we only owe for direct physical loss. You know, because because the insurance policy, the insurance policy is one sentence of a promise and 85 pages of excuses as to why to not keep that promise. And when you're up against that, it's it's like and you and you go back. The only promise that we have to keep is for direct physical loss or whatever that, you know, whatever that may be. And when Brent was talking about when it becomes circular, it's like, well, uh, I appreciate that, Mr. Hooper, but we only owe for direct physical loss. Yes, I know that. And that's what I'm trying to talk to you about. Well, that's not direct physical loss. That is that is proximate loss. That is the you know, and it's like, well, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. Hang on. Slow your roll. Why are you saying that this isn't direct physical loss? It's ensuing loss. It's not not everything they owe for is just direct physical loss. There's ensuing loss. There's proximate cause. There's there's co- there's collateral damage. In fact, one of the major carriers will not cover a hail claim unless they have collateral damage. Never mind the thing that's actually damaged by the covered peril. If we don't have other stuff that's damaged too in the way that we want it damaged, then it didn't happen dude i had a guy today i was on a reinspection and it was a third party inspection service that we've all been out there with and it's a hail and wind claim i pulled a site site specific map you know, 60 mile an hour wind, like three quarter inch inch hail, whatever. I'm up there on the roof and he's doing his thing and I'm doing mine. I'm chalking stuff. We got different color chalk and, and he is very nice, very polite, thorough, whatever, whatever. And he starts, you know, chalking off his quadrants and all this rigmarole. And um, I chalk something off and he goes, see, I wouldn't call that hail. I'm like, how come? It's like, well, they want to see that the mat is fractured. I'm like, okay. So how do you determine that? And he looks at me. And in my mind, I'm like, you either got a mic, you you have a really high definition, like high, you know, highly magnified, whatever, a microscopic, what, whatever. You know what I'm getting at? Like a super duper camera. Or you can look at the underside of the shingle, or you can feel it, but not all hail damage fractures the mat, right? And I'm like, so how do you determine that? And he kind of looks at me like perplexed. I'm like, are you able to remove the shingle and look? Or he's like, well, no. And I'm like, don't you find a problem with that? And he's like, huh. Meanwhile, he's been doing inspections for this particular company mm-hmm. for five years. That's the stuff that we're up against. And this is by, you know, any measure, this is a very professional individual, not his first since, you know, not his first rodeo, but he's just up there following the rules. And we went through this inspection. And at one point in the inspection, he's like, he, he, he thanked me. He was like, you know what? 
I, I really appreciate you taking the time to explain some of this stuff to me because I don't I don't always get the opportunity to do this. And I'm like, see, that's interesting to me. This guy's been in the industry for five years doing this very job. And the second, the, the other, I guess, notable thing that happened was I pointed to a, a wind creased, uh, wind damaged uh, ridge shingle. It's like shingle over style. And I showed him, I said, this is wind damage. And he was like, I don't think that's wind damage. And I, and I showed him, I was like, look, seals busted. Right. And I just showed it like, and I was very lightly touching the shingle and he was sitting right there and, or, you know, staring right at me. And I'm like, this, this seal's busted. It caught my attention. I, you know, I'm touching the ridge shingles and I kind of lift the shingle, maybe, to, I don't even know what, 15, 20 degrees, just so I can see underneath it. And there's a bunch of windblown debris on the, on the seal and strip. And I lifted it up just a little bit more and I could see like the mat transfer and the, you know, mm-hmm. sealant transfer. And from there I could, I slid my hand under it and I could feel that the, the, the fastener was pulled through. So I lifted it up just to, you know, ever so slightly. So I could see like if, if what I was feeling wasn't something else, and I showed it to him and, and again, he, he's like, look at me. He's like, yeah, he was like, that's wind damage all day. And it went, it went from, I wouldn't call that wind damage to, yeah, that's wind damage all day. <laughs> and I just explained, I'm like, look, none of these other ridge shingles that, that I'm looking at that I can see this one, this one's damaged. It's lifted sealant transfer, mat transfer. There's debris on the sealant strip. The fastener of the, 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 um, the fasteners pulled through underneath. I'm like, dude, this thing's, this thing took on some wind. And I just think it's interesting as whether it's estimating guidelines, inspection guidelines, that's another big one that not many people talk about. I mean, we hear about these roof quadrants and the next gimmick all the time. Um, you know, and the thing, the thing is, is that if the peril is named in the policy, or it, well, don't take that literally, policy people, public adjusters. But if it's covered, it's covered, and I don't give a shit if it's in your quadrant or if right. it's not. Like one of the major carriers. Sorry, I, I just, I just no. hijacked the conversation. But it's like inspection guidelines, estimating right. guidelines. Policy interpretation. Do you know why these guidelines exist? I just want to interject this really quick. All of these guidelines exist because the people that are using the guidelines don't have the expertise. And so they're handed guidelines because of the because of the failure of their expertise. Predictable exposure. Go ahead. Time out. Predictable outcomes. The guidelines exist for one reason and one reason only, predictable outcomes. And when you when you create processes and protocols and standard operating procedures and you exercise them at scale, you will create predictable outcomes. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I also think that they're handing these 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 best practices 
and guidelines to people <laughs> that don't have a single thought in their head as it pertains to how to fix something. That's the other thing that I would say. And so because they don't know how to fix it, they're going to give you guidelines so that they can get a, say it with me, Brent, you just said it, you gave it to me, predictable outcome so that we can at least, you know, at with some sort of continuity and some sort of consistency, be able to determine that this roof is $7,000 to repair. You know what I mean? And it's like, we believe that this is basically what it's going to take to repair most given roofs that are between X square and Y square. And, and, and this is how we're, this is how we're going to approach it. And by and large, what we're going to do is we're going to turn the lights off and see if anybody screams, you know, so we're going to throw this out at them. We're going to do this and just see if anybody argues with us. And if they argue with us and they have a pretty decent argument, then we'll go ahead and pay it. So never mind trying to actually pay the loss based on what it would be if there's a experienced contractor, an experienced public adjuster, an experienced building consultant that fully understands what the repair method is going to be. You know, they're not going to take that into account. They're going to see my air quotes, stick with their guy. Well, our field adjuster really thinks that this is what it is. I mean, (laughs) we went back to the field adjuster and we asked somebody with absolutely no experience whatsoever to determine what the best method of repair would be. (laughs) Uh it makes my face. Well, hurt I mean, I so can't true. tell you how many times the, that I've heard that. And it's like, well, this guy's inspected a lot of roofs. Uh, yes, but how many has he installed? I appreciate that he's inspected. I used to have a coach tell me all the time, you know, you've heard the expression practice makes perfect. Well, what he used to say is perfect practice makes perfect, is what he used to say. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, we can never tell exactly what what they're going to say. And they don't really have any kind of real experience to determine exactly what the proper method of repair or replacement should be. And when something is eligible for for replacement at the end of the day, if I paid premium for replacement, that's what I expect, you know, because it is really difficult to provide an indemnifying repair, if you will. So can I, I know you rung the bell, but can I throw something in there? I want, I, I, I need to offer a shade of context sure. to something you said. When you, when you say, uh, you know, I know he's inspected a lot, but how many is he installed? I think there's a, a, an extension to that thought that's really important. And here it is. See, I've never personally installed a roof and Jeremy, I don't think you have either. The closest I've come is hauling shingles onto the roof for them to be installed by somebody else. That's the closest I've ever gotten. The closest, the closest I've come about, you know, I don't know, a, a dozen times is being on the roof while it's being installed. Okay. I've never installed a roof. My point is, is that usually the documentation that we're arguing or the point that we're arguing as public adjusters or whatever, it's not our freaking opinion. It's right. The people that's what that do I, it. I'm not pulling this. <laughs> or, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's manufacturer or, you know, I, I just want to make that my clear. Opinion. It's not, yeah. I'm not I, the guy. I'm just reporting the facts yeah. here. And if you're. 
If you're a public adjuster that was a roofer or you have that applied experience, freaking awesome. But I, by and large, most of us don't. And um, I just think it's important to note that. Like, I love that you're saying you know, this. I love this that you're saying right. that this isn't your opinion because because we're going to really get into the whole thing about what is our opinion versus what is not our opinion in round two. And so, Brent, I'm going to jump into that. And round two starts right after this. Yep. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515 515- 5783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two. Get out of your own way. So Brent, this is actually, you actually titled this round and I kind of like it and you have a bit of an anecdote to kind of go with it. So I'm going to step aside and let you kind of unpack this for us kind of in the way that you explained it to me earlier today. Okay. Something hit me recently that I thought was important. When I first started practicing as a public adjuster, I thought that when, which by the way, I've had my PA license for the better part of five years, somewhere in there. I don't know when I got it, or at least I don't remember, but, but I didn't practice as a PA per se. And so we did the supplement thing for a long time. And I thought that, Hey, when, when I start practicing as a PA, I thought that that was the silver bullet. (laughs) My license is the silver bullet. I'm going to show him this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, was I wrong. That's why I took the test. So tying it. Oh, Jesus. I mean, if there was such a thing as a moral imperative, I had it. And, you know, I was going to show them. And I had three and a half years and thousands of claims under my belt. And I'm just like, I am so tired of dealing with the same, you know, stuff. Anyway, that context is important in terms of why I said what I said to you earlier today, which is something hit me recently, which is like, you know, what's my role as a PA? Prove the loss. Prove the loss. Find coverage where coverage is readily available. Right. And I feel like in the past, there was a lot of times where I was more concerned with like proving a point Mm -hmm. or being right instead of just proving the loss and effectuating a settlement and perhaps most importantly, a payment, you know, I was in my own way. 
And so the anecdote that I shared with you earlier was, you know, the adjusters giving me the, well, we're going to need you to change your estimate to do this. And we're going to need you to do that. We're going to need you to separate out this. And, and as I explained to you earlier, it's like, I got out of my own way and said, make a payment and send me a partial denial letter. I'm not, my the scope of my estimate and and what we sent in our claim packet is razor is razor tight. If there's something you don't want to pay, great. I don't care. Make a payment. Yeah. We're sixty days. In, you've had you've we are sixty days into this loss. You've had my estimate for forty five of them, and you're sitting here telling me you want me to separate out in a you know this estimate into three different no no and i'm and i'm not gonna get in we're not doing a claim study so i'm not gonna get into like the minutiae but it's like no i got out of my own way and i'm like make a payment and guess what she did she made a very large payment and so i think i answered your prompt and i think i got us started on this round it's like get out of your own way check the ego at the door remember what we're here for and Getting getting undisputed funds released as soon as possible is really, really Because I think important. the idea here is, is you're giving them the opportunity to do the right thing. I have provided you enough information. And one of the places yeah. where you're getting out of your own way is your argument doesn't freaking matter. It just doesn't. Whatever argument that you have generally is not going to be the thing that's going to cast the light of heaven down upon their head and make them see the better way to do things. Because that's just simply you can go ahead and exhale. That's not going to happen. All you can do. That'd be like me walking into your house tomorrow and telling you. you're Well, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just like I'm not going to hear that. I mean, for one one of the reasons that I'm not going to hear that is pride is is most commonly going to get in my way. And even if I agree with you, I'm not going to tell you that. So so some of those things and it's like, look, I'm not this is not my opinion. I'm an adjuster. I'm not a contractor. I'm not a cabinet maker. I'm not a floor installer. I'm not a roofer. I'm an adjuster. And what I've done is I have, me personally, have gone to talk to all of these experts, and I have provided you a report and an assessment of said experts. I have then consolidated them into a piece of software that you believe is the end-all, be-all as far as setting the value of any given loss. I have then entered it into said software, and I have provided it to you. Now, you can either extend coverage or not but these things in my opinion speak for themselves and i don't need an argument here so either pay it or don't here is your opportunity to do the right thing this is the cheapest it's ever going to be for you and said carrier and you have the opportunity right here and right now to do the right thing if you don't want to do the right thing i'm not the judge jury and executioner that will come later but here is your chance. I am simply just the, 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 the arbiter of information that gives you the amount of information that you need to extend coverage in this situation. And if that's not something you want to do because of your estimating guidelines, your inspection guidelines, or whatever the case that you have extrapolated to actually be the governing 
the governing policy here as to how this claim is going to get covered. And you've taken the actual policy that was purchased by the client, by your client, by my client, the one person we are under the auspices of fighting for right now. And you're trying to provide good customer service to, but for whatever reason, you are spending all of your time trying to figure out a way to not pay it. You're not, you're not in, in it as opposed to looking for a way to pay it. So what I'm saying, public adjusters, is get out of the way. Give them the opportunity to do the right thing. Have them cut an undisputed amount of money or don't. And then if they don't, send me the denial, the denial letter, the partial denial letter, and then move on to the next thing and quit getting hung up on the reason they don't want to do it. You know, because you've probably given them all of the information that they need per the policy to write the check. So here's, yes, dude, touche. That almost sounded rehearsed. I know it wasn't, but it kind of sounded a little bit rehearsed. Um, <laughs> I did not. Did I mean, I, you and I had talked about it, obviously. Because <laughs> let, let me let me tell you this. It's not like it's a pre-show meeting. Are you sure you don't I, have a fucking I teleprompter don't, over I there? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I do write down the alliterations at the beginning of the show just to make sure I remember them. But uh, but they, I do come up with, I come up with them myself. I do, you know, I am the writer. I don't have a team of writers in the back smoking cigarettes and eating, you know, pecan you sandies. It's pecan sandies. Oh, pecan. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can you show me that in the policy where it's pronounced pecan sandies? <laughs> Yes. I, I don't I don't I don't have writers, believe it or uh, not. So can you spell pecan I, I, phonetically? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> um Jesus. So I'm gonna I don't I don't mind um you know talking about me being stupid. So but this actually isn't me being stupid. This is an example of, again, me getting out of my own way. Reinspection. This was earlier this week. Water loss and adjuster. You know, there's some mold. You know, well, we don't owe for that. And points to a couple. And we definitely don't owe for that. You know, that's been blah blah blah. Everybody, everybody who has ever worked a claim knows exactly what I'm talking about. The adjuster that they're really quick to talk about what they don't pay for. And in my mind, in that scenario, I slipped in a couple sentences to just set the record straight. The insured was there and, you know, the contractor and one of my associates, a little shout out to Chrissy. And, but the thing is, is like, I'm not, I'm not going to stand there and getting to a, get into a pissing match it's it's futile you want to you want to control the narrative which i did you want the witnesses that are there to do it i memorialized that interaction but i'm not gonna stand there and go like tit for tat with a field adjuster that doesn't have the authority to you know it just became a part of my claim record that this interaction happened it's it's an incorrect um, interpretation of policy language. Here's the proof. 
and I'll deal with it when I need to deal with it. Cause it's not going to change that particular outcome right then and there, you know, there's on that, uh, in that scenario, there's probably 70 or $80,000 in dispute. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to sit there and trip over myself over a thousand dollars. Look, it needs to be paid. There's no negating that it's owed. It needs to be paid. It needs to be addressed. The, 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 the abatement needs to be dealt with, blah, blah, blah. But you know, a couple years ago, I probably would have stood there and argued with him, you know? And so again, getting out of your own way is sort of recognizing, Hey, my role is to prove the loss. My role is to present the evidence and last but not least, effectuate a settlement. And so standing there and getting hemmed up and doing all these other things, that's not really in the best interest of the homeowner in, in, in that particular scenario. I will deal with that. I will get that paid. But it's like ego, it's like ego verse sort of, uh, I don't know what the, my ego, my need to be right, my need to upstage an adjuster versus, hey, what's in what's really in the best interest of the claim and settling the stamp thing? Or at least getting, again, getting a payment released, right? I don't know. Well, I think I think when it comes down, I mean, there's something that we really got to realize. And Brent, I've said this to you a couple of times. And if anybody has spoken with me on the phone over the past several weeks, I kind of had this 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 thing dawn on me. And I'm going to share it with you now. I, I think where we often get frustrated is when the carrier is choosing to make a business decision versus a coverage decision. And if it were just simply a coverage decision, obviously the coverage exists. You know what I mean? And they're, but they're not wanting to extend the coverage. And so, and, and I run into, I run into this with a major carrier. Um, often when you, when, and, and this particular carrier that I'm speaking of, it seems that none of their desk adjusters really have sort of any authority. What they do is they go and they send it off to somebody else and they, you know, they send it to their supplementing team or they send it to their, they, they send it to management or they send it somewhere else. And then the information comes back to them and they, I'm, I'm surprised they don't start off, you know, their email with hear ye, hear ye, because simply all they appear to be doing is reading <laughs> the damn news, right? And they don't really, they don't really get into exactly what, what, what the coverage of the situation is. It's like, we're just not going to be extending coverage because we believe that this can be done less expensively or we can, or we believe that, that, you know, that this was existent prior or whatever. And, or we think that that's just normal wear and tear. That's just normal wear and tear. That's, you know, or that's ground shifting or whatever sort of exclusionary exculpatory language that they can apply to it. It happens to be excluded in the policy. So that's the reason that we're going to use. And, and you get into that and we can get into the conversation of condition versus loss condition versus damage and all of these different things that we wouldn't talk but i'm telling you getting into that argument doesn't do any good because they disguise it as a coverage decision when in fact it really is just a business decision and here's the difference is when there is every opportunity to provide the coverage the the, the coverage exists
exists within the policy. They've given every opportunity, all of the documentation, all of the pricing that goes with it, and then they just still say no for whatever reason. This goes back to round one. There is no silver bullet when you're dealing with somebody making a business decision because by and large, they're going to say no and see what you do, especially if you're dealing with a smaller claim. And I'm thinking anything under about $40,000 because they know one, it's going to be hard for you to get an attorney to take take a claim that small because the cost to carry that claim all the way into court is going to be extremely expensive. That's number one. So they know that not, not a lot of attorneys are going to take take that file and they're just going to see what you're going to do, whether you go to appraisal and, you know, and, and then they've got all kinds of, you know, tricks and backflips that they can do to vacate appraisal awards. I mean, you've got different appraisal clauses that basically at the end of it, and oh, by the way, if we choose to deny the claim, it's still our right, no matter what the award says, you know, and they have all of these, all of these back doors that they try to use. And the reality is, is you just run up against the business decision because it's cheaper to be sued than it is to actually pay the claim. And so it just makes bottom line sense to, to do that. And, and if you can't get an attorney, there's no way anybody's going to approve anything like bad faith. Do you know what I'm saying? There's no way that anybody's going to prove, um, you know, even, even breach of contract. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to say, well, if I may, if I may really quick, sorry, let me, I, I just, it's it's also cheaper to run the risk of being sued on, you know, if you put uh, 500 claims next to each other that are, you know, the total claim values under $30,000, it's far cheaper to run the risk of being sued on two of them than it is to all pay for all, or what whatever, say, 500. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's far more economical. It, Even when we lose, econ- it's, we're going to take you all yeah. the way, and, and we're going to we're going to decide yeah. in the middle it, of depositions prior to this walking into the courtroom. We're going to go. Okay, tell you what, you got us. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. You hired a lawyer, and he had some really cool questions in depositions. Tell you what, we're going to go ahead and pay your forty thousand dollar claim, and go, and we'll go ahead and pay your attorney fees. But here's the deal: we're not going to say we're sorry, and you can't tell anybody. And here's the non disclosure agreement the executed release you can't talk about it but here and and by the way here's your check and and we never have it never becomes case law it never it never makes the public record it all it's all sealed and closed up and they get to go on and do it to the next person without any kind of repercussions and brent's right it's like so that happens two, 10, 15, 20 times out of 500. And it's way cheaper to just because the other 480 times it doesn't happen. They have, they have more than paid for the two times it did. And so it just makes a whole lot of sense to do that. And guys, that's what a business decision is, is that it's even if they are doing something that is just completely and totally wrong. Now, understand, I didn't say fraudulent. I just said wrong. And so, you know, fraud is a completely different case. Than- F- factually wrong as it pertains to right, what the policy right. is. That's for. just breach. <laughs> and and I did a I did an episode of Law and Policy with a guy by the name of Scott uh, Scott Hunziker, and he told me this about bad faith. Bad faith is not an act. Bad faith is a culture. 
It's a process. So it's not just this one little thing that they did or this one little denial that they, it is how they handle it entirely. It's the entire claims process in and of itself that becomes that, that is bad faith. And so that's why it's so difficult to prove it. Systemic. Systemic. That's a great word. I'm going to have to add that to my alliteration calendar. That's where that's going to show up. <laughs> Systemically sensuous or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm taking, I'm, I, you know, guys, go ahead and drop it in the, in the comments below. Tell me the alliterations that you want me to pull together and I will somehow make it work. There we go. There's the challenge. And whoever gives me the best one, whoever gives me the best one, you get one free fingernail trimming from a local, uh, from a local, uh, establishment. So vet. local vet, it could be a vet. I just said a local establishment. I didn't say who it would be, but that's what you're going to get is a free fingernail trimming. It could be from the good people at CVS pharmacy. You know, um, you can join the rest. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Jesus. I don't even know where that was going. You were hoping you were going to get a manicure, but I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be near that cool. That's a real way to farm out comments out of everybody, right? You know? Yeah. So it'll be like the guy that, what? who was it? Was it Pepsi that said, if you collect enough Pepsi points, that you get this free jet? <laughs> Somebody's going to do it. I'm going to use it, and I'm going to owe somebody a nail trimming. And we'll video that, I guess. Dude. They uh they made a fucking yep. yeah they did it's an entire that. documentary yeah I think it's yeah. called Where's My Jet or something. <laughs> Hey Pepsi Where's My Jet Hey yeah. Pepsi Where's My Jet Well guys we're <laughs> I watched it <laughs> We'll get into round three right after this. The Pain of the Claim is looking for sponsors, and we would love to promote a business that provides services or equipment to public adjusters, restoration companies, and roofing contractors and general contractors. Examples would be like safety gear, roofing-related products, restoration equipment, payment services, CRMs, reporting services, expert services, anything like that. We want to help you tell your story and get you together with the people that really need your help. So give us a call. We can we can get your name out there and we can grow with you. Round three. We don't do this because it's easy. We do this because we thought it would be easy. <laughs> Guys, the reality and the truth is, is that's true. We all went and got our PA license because, you know what? That's going to make things a hell of a lot easier. I'm just going to slap down this license right in front of them. They're going to quake in their boots, and then they're going to pay my claim. And that's how this is going to go. And you know what? They, they still haven't even gotten a little bit nervous. I remember one of the very first claims that I adjusted as a public adjuster, I, I, I have the conversation of here's what comes next. And I actually got the claim covered after I had that conversation. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to pay this. I just want to, I just want to get you ready for, for what comes next. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I kind of laid out all of the things that were about to happen. This is actually in Oklahoma. And I laid out all of the things and I hung up the phone and he was like, okay. And then like 15 minutes later, he picks up, he goes, we're going to pay for the interior damage. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Damn right you will. <laughs> I know you are, <laughs> you know, and, and I think I had it at like 7,000. 
thousand dollars and they paid thirty five hundred. I was just so shocked and appalled that they actually called me back and said that they were going to pay it. Yeah, it was that carrier that didn't want to pay anything, um, especially on interior damage. They actually they actually extended coverage, and I'm not real sure after all of this experience that I was right. I'm not completely sure that it was. <laughs> you thought you were, but I thought I matters. was. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so evidently they believed me enough and they made a business decision to go ahead and pay it. So, um, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I heard a carrier say that that was a business decision and it was it was, I'm going to say the carrier's name, not to call them out, but to specifically, it was, it was a farmer's claim that I was dealing with and they didn't withhold depreciation for the freeze. And he just straight up goes, that was a business decision for us not to withhold depreciation. That was a business decision. And I, and Show I me think in the policy, huh? <laughs> Show me in the policy. Well, I mean, when they, if they don't, yeah. Cause it was basically, they define what depreciation is. This is replacement cost coverage. So that's basically the cost to replace it without holding depreciation. However, it must be cost incurred. And so we're going to pay you ACV until it's cost incurred. And once it's cost incurred, then we will pay the RCV on it, which is how the RCV endorsement works on an all perils policy. Because remember, the RCV feature of a policy is an endorsement. Otherwise, it is paid at ACV, just like just about any other property damage claim, whether it's cars or, you know, whatever the case may be. Those are paid at ACV. And then, you know, you can get replacement costs if it's offered. Um, they're offering replacement cost value coverage on cars now as long as the car is less than like a year old. If it's less than a year old, they give you the money to go buy a new car. So, um, but you're right. I got into this thinking that the PA, the PA license would carry all of the weight that it needs to. And, and I think it maybe one time, maybe it did. You know, and and maybe I'm just waxing nostalgic on it, but um, this is not easy. I and I'm gonna, I don't and I, I and I'll no. just say this, and I'll bounce it to you, Brent. The one thing that I tell most of the people that I help out on a daily basis is my way of doing things is harder. It's more work, and guys, if you're gonna want claims covered, you've got to do the work. Go ahead, Brent. I feel like, I feel like the environment when I got into the industry, we'll call it the PA environment. This is completely made up. The PA environment was similar to that of like the, again, another made up term was similar to that of say the contractor environment such that you drive down the street and you see insurance approved or something like that on like a contractor yard sign. And what that yard sign doesn't say is it took six months. It doesn't say it took 150 emails. It doesn't say that it took five people. It doesn't say that it took seven hours of phone calls. It doesn't say that it took six reinspection. Like, and so I liken it to that because oftentimes if you just scroll through Facebook or social media, you would think that, and again, and I group, I group all of us sort of together, which I'll probably get yelled at, 
But it's like if you just scroll through social media, you see the posts, the proverbial yard signs. You see the post, whether it's a public adjuster, an appraiser, a, a, a contractor, a, a whatever. You know, every now and again, you'll see the the humbling post from somebody on our side of the fence that's like, hey, after eight months of going back and forth, we finally were able to help this homeowner. But those are few and far between. Most of the hard work that we do gets chopped up into a spreadsheet or a picture, some sort of marketing slick. It's like, hey, we just took a claim from 3000 to 400000 Even when we talk about this shit, you know, when we... When we, you know, as public adjusters talk to contractors, it's like, you know, we we summarize what we do. And I fell into the trap too. You know, we are a supplement company. I, I decided to practice as a public adjuster because I got tired of freaking insurance companies saying, oh, we don't have to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, they don't. And they were right. I love it when contractors they, they right. go, well, they we gave them a, a communicate with contractor form. Yeah, buddy, that just yeah, allows well, them to talk to you. It doesn't obligate them to. <laughs> right, right. And and, and again, and I, dude, and it's so true. Another silver bullet. It's like, well, we got our communication authorization or our direction to pay. Well, no, no one, one cares. cares. No one cares about your direction. <laughs> again, and I'm not no, saying that is just, a shithead. I mean, it's it, just the truth. Like, it doesn't, it, no yeah, one gives a I, shit. I appreciate that. You, <laughs> no and it's nice like when it the carrier cooperates with those sorts of things. You know what I mean? When they choose to cooperate, that's an awesome yeah, yes, thing when they yes, choose to yes. cooperate with it. But I mean, just the other day I was, uh, I was talking, I was talking with, um, one of my, one of the, one of my coaching clients and she sends me a message on messenger, Lori, you know who you are. And now everybody else does too. Um, you know, she was she was writing a supplement for a for a local contractor and they were asking who she was because they basically extrapolated the information from her email. They want to go. So who is this company? What is it that you do? And and if you don't know, guys, Liberty Mutual does not deal with TPAs. You know what I mean? So unless you're a licensed adjuster, you don't want to go up against Liberty Mutual because they're not going to talk to you. Now, they will talk to the signed contractor with a contract, but they will not deal with the supplement service that that contractor may hire. They're just not going to talk to you. They're going to talk to the contractor or the homeowner, and that's it. But I if I if I may, if there's any supplementers out there listening, I'm just going to add this in. A lot of these, what Jeremy just said, while is very true. What I have found is that that stuff is highly regional based. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So usually where there's anyway, a high volume yeah. of claims, you know, when you deal with a high volume of claims, you'll see that, yeah. that restriction yeah. sort of come in and go away just depending on what's going on. Um, you know, I told Brent yeah. when I first met him and, and I was like, you think you took that carrier for a million dollars and they don't know who you are. I mean, they'll make things real difficult for you the moment they decide they want to. You know, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't. Yeah. So some of those roles, yeah. while they're beneficial and it makes sense to outsource them and it makes sense as it pertains to a productivity timeline to have some administrative help behind there. 
to get to get these things done because roofers don't have time to sit and argue with insurance carriers. You know what I mean? And because what they're wanting to do is sure. get the roof produced and whatever it takes to do that. And God bless them. That's what I want them to be able to do is focus on that. The thing that you never see on social media is like, yeah. we fought this thing for eight months and we lost. Nobody's going here was what it yeah. was when we started. And looky here, eight months later, it stayed the same. Even yeah, after yeah. appraisals, 13 engineers reports, 14 inspections, and, and all of this effort that we put into it and we lost. You know what I mean? Nobody's yeah. nobody's posting that on social that. media. So, guys, for those of you who are a little bit discouraged, remember the only thing that you see is the highlights. All you're seeing out there from public adjusters everywhere. And it's like, if I see one more time, it went from denied to paid. And it's like, I, you know, th thank you for your victory. And I think you should celebrate every victory. And it, nothing wrong with celebrating the fact that it went from denied to paid. What it sounds to me like is it went from undocumented to documented. That's really what happened there is it went from undocumented to documented. And if you're expecting the carrier to show up on site and do the right thing, it's really not their job to, to, to prove the loss. And so when they come out and they write a check or they extend some sort of coverage because it's visually available to, to photograph and to look at, the reason their estimates are so small is not just because they're trying to keep it low. That's not the only reason. While I do think that that is part of it, it's really not their job to make that determination. What is their job is to extend coverage where coverage is due and then provide payment for said coverage the moment that they know that that coverage is extended. In Texas, they have five days. I don't know what it is in Maryland. It could be 30 or 60 days. All of those different things may be different. And the timelines of your different states, you want to check your own, your own departments of insurance as to what those timelines would be. But in Texas, it's five days. You know, once they've extended coverage, they have five days to do it. And and I appreciate at a place where they decide to write an estimate, not necessarily in the attempt to set the value of the loss, but in an attempt to provide prompt payment for extended coverage. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it looks like there's some coverage. Let us know what it's going to cost and we'll write you a check. I'd almost prefer that they do that. But in, in a place in Texas where they extend coverage, yes, this is a covered loss. They've got to provide them some kind of payment. So, round three. It's not easy. We thought we it would thought be it would easy. Be. Guys, it is so much work to do this. And that's where I go back to even round two. This is your opportunity to show them the evidence and give them the opportunity to simply do the right thing. And if they choose not to because it's a business decision, because they don't understand the interpretation, because they don't understand the policy provision that exists that you're trying to present to them, do not get – don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. If you're taking it personally, then there is a 99.9% chance that your ego's involved. You know what I mean? And look, we've all got moral imperatives yep. out there, and this boils down to if you're trying to affect justice, not your job. Your job is to prove the loss, provide the proof, and move on with your life. And, and that's why I'm very big on the way that I present claims. I believe presentation matters. I believe documentation matters. I believe that documentation should be organized and easy to read and understand. And so I'm going to do all of those things. There is their golden opportunity to do the right thing. And if they don't, and if they don't, then my job is still done. I can still put my head on my pillow at night knowing I did my job.
I do not have anything to add. It's a challenging job. And you know what? I lied. I lied. I'll add this. Proving the loss is is the job. But what practicing as a public adjuster, going back to kind of my commentary on like the social media stuff and the sort of the montage soundbite real kind of life that we all live in doesn't provide is all of the nuance that goes into this stuff too. So whether you're new to the game or you've been doing it for, you know, a decade and a half or not, there's a lot of nuance to what we do as it pertains to controlling the narrative, point guarding the claim, managing all of the relevant parties that are privy to the claim. And, you know, we've done episodes about communication and communicating with the different party. It just, you know, all that stuff. And so like, you know, Jeremy kind of what you were just saying is like, it's unilateral in the sense of dealing with the carrier and our role as it pertains to dealing with the carrier. And when we don't get our way with the carrier sort of, you know, moving it along and presenting the loss to the carrier the other shades of gray that go along with that are just simply the other parties, the other vendors, the other service providers, the other inspection entities, and just, you know, so guys, gals, yeah, it's not easy, but an organized approach, a version or an iteration of a system goes a long way. And, Failure, like any other business, is absolutely a part of the process. And while you might not want to get on social media and update your Facebook status with you just got your face pushed in by, you know, whatever insurance company, just realize that there are folks out there like us that have gone through it. We go through it and, um, well, pick up the phone. Talk to your friends, talk to your colleagues. And if you're the, and I'm going to end on this. If you don't have people in your, in your professional network that you feel comfortable or rather as comfortable calling and talking about getting your ass kicked as you do calling and talking about, you know, a victory, then get some other people in your network. The encouragement here guys is, is we all get our teeth kicked in at some level and support is a big is a big part of who we are and what we do especially at remedy claims consulting max claim solutions the pain of the claim all the the whole point here is for you not to be alone that is the entire point of what we do is so that you have a safe place and you can talk about the place where you got your te- uh, your teeth kicked in i tell most of my adjusters when they're finished with a claim especially the ones they lose to do a postmortem on the claim, to go through yeah. and, and figure out where, where did you miss it? Where could you have worked harder? What could you have done different? What are the things that where did you feel like the claim actually went sideways on you? What was it that surprised you that you weren't prepared for? What was it? You know, all of these different things and journal those things. And in fact, I would journal them in the notes of the claim so that if it ever comes back up, you can go back and review it. I think you do it on your winners, too. 
you know, what was the thing that worked on this one? What was it that, what was it about this one? How did you approach it? And I can tell you this, I can tell you this by and large, my wins have come from a place where I tried to, to collaborate with the desk adjuster rather than, you know, prove him wrong or humiliate him in some kind of way, because humiliation rarely gets people on your side. Okay. And so, um, it, it is, it is one of those, you are more likely to win claims as if you open up and maintain the attitude of, look, man, I am trying to be as reasonable as I possibly can. I don't want anything to be, uh, considered. I don't want anything to be considered, uh, to be wrong or to be, um, I don't want anything. I don't, I don't want to be contentious here. That is not what I want to do. What I want to do is I want to deal with the policy. I would like to know what your goals are. Is your, is your goal to get this loss paid and what sort of documentation and you're there to kind of do the grunt work. And that's the idea. So guys, remember that, um, Brent, you got anything else before we, uh, sign off here? Yeah, and t- and then the adjuster says, "Well, but Jeremy, you got to understand that we don't have for granular." Okay, loss. I thought granules were covered property. <laughs> I appreciate that they're not. I appreciate that you understanding. I'll make sure I'll memorialize that in my email to you that granules are not covered property on this on uh, under this policy. And uh, you know, if that's if that's the deal, then then I'll let you know that. So, um, guys. That's all the time we got for today. Um, um, three rounds of action there that, that, that culminated in granules are not covered property. Guys, if you like what you heard, please click like and subscribe. Leave your comments below. And if you really enjoyed it, you know somebody else that can benefit from it. Please share this wherever you can and on all of your platforms. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one.